Welcome to another episode of the Deborah Health Report, where we dive into current health and medical topics to keep the Delaware Valley informed and updated. Last month, we heard from Deborah cardiologist Alan Galley about cardiac rehabilitation, highlighting the benefits of the rehab that give cardiac patients the tools to restore and maintain their health. This month, KYW's Rasa K talks with endocrinologist Dr. Navinder Jassel about diabetes, exploring the latest in understanding its mechanisms, how to diagnose, treat, and even prevent it, and how to live well with it. Here's Rasa K. I'm Rasa Kay, and I'm talking with endocrinologist Dr. Navinder Jassel. We're talking about diabetes. Now, granted, we have been very preoccupied with other metabolic issues over the last year and a half plus, but is there anything new in terms of our understanding about diabetes? What's diabetes today? So I think it's important to start with the definition of diabetes. Diabetes is when you have a lack of insulin in the body. Insulin is a very important hormone that's made in our gut, the pancreas. And what it does, it's a key. It allows sugar to go from the blood into the cell. And that's important because the cell uses it for energy. And when we don't have that, the sugar will build up in the bloodstream and cause a lot of problems. So the difference between type 1 and type 2 is pretty simple. In type 1 diabetes, you have a lack of any insulin production, so you're very much dependent on insulin. In type 2 diabetes, you make some insulin, but it doesn't work very well. That door just doesn't open. It's not the right key. So I think it's important to understand the differences and what happens when you have uncontrolled diabetes. We used to call it juvenile diabetes and adult onset diabetes. Is that different from type 1 or type 2? A lot of times people refer to type 1 as juvenile because it is diagnosed often in those younger age ranges. But as an adult, you can still get type 1 diabetes for some reason if you have destruction of your pancreas and you don't make that hormone insulin, you are type 1. Symptoms and risk factors. What's interesting is some people don't even have symptoms, so that's why it is important to be screened and see your primary care doctor for those blood tests. If you do have symptoms, you can feel like you feel really thirsty and you can't quench your thirst, dry mouth, uh, maybe feeling fuzzy or not as sharp as you usually do, urinating a lot, going to the bathroom in the middle of the night several times a night, and you are at increased risk of infection. So if you feel like you're getting frequent urinary tract infections or skin infections, that might be a clue that something's going on. Are there some oddball kind of uh, clues? Uh, A friend of mine, it was because his eyeglass prescription just didn't seem to last. That's a really good point. You can also have blurry vision. And some people who had poor vision, their vision may improve. So if you have a change in your vision, get checked out. And you did mention risk factors. So there's a couple of risk factors for developing diabetes. And I think that's important to highlight because if we know our risks, then maybe we can improve our chances of not getting diabetes. So if you have a little excess weight, if you're not as physically active as you feel like you once were or could be, those are pretty big risk factors for developing diabetes that you can control. Genetics plays a role as well. So if you have a close family member, a mom or a dad or a sibling with diabetes, it's important to note that. The whole idea that juvenile versus the adult onset, that uh, you can eat your way to diabetes. Myth or distortion or what? So I think in type 1 diabetes, 
there's a lot of research going on. Why does this happen? It can be an autoimmune condition or a virus could affect your pancreas causing diabetes. So you don't have as much control in your diet and in, in terms of it causing the diabetes to happen. In type 2 diabetes, which is more common and what we see more commonly, you can improve your diabetes by eating healthier. So if you have a genetic predisposition to diabetes, it doesn't mean you're going to become diabetic. But if you're not eating healthy and you're not exercising, then you're putting yourself at risk. And that applies to type 1 or type 2 in the family. Yes, I definitely think that it's important if there's any type of diabetes that that's important. Okay, diabetes linked to heart disease and stroke. So we know when you have high sugars, you are at higher risk for heart attack and stroke. This is because the high sugars that we talked about in the bloodstream, it shouldn't be there. So what happens is it starts to damage the blood vessels that supply the heart and this eventually can cause heart disease. So it's important to note that if you reduce your blood sugars, you can potentially reduce that risk. So when you say damage to the blood vessels, is this what we, this is a very popular topic now, inflammation. Are we talking inflammation then? I definitely think inflammation plays a role and there's actually a bunch of different factors. So it's multifactorial and so it's complex and we're learning a lot about it. Foot infections, this seems to be not uncommon in diabetics. How does that work? When you get a foot infection and you're diabetic, it's really the perfect storm. You have a couple things going on, kind of like what we talked about with the heart. You have damage to the blood vessels. You have damage to the tiny, tiny blood vessels that supply your feet. And when that happens, you don't have good blood flow. So that's one issue. The second issue is when you have high blood sugars, it also builds up in your nerves and you develop something called neuropathy. So you may not feel your feet or you have numbness or tingling. And it also can be painful. And say you hit your foot on something and you didn't realize it. With that in conjunction with poor blood flow can put you at risk for infection. But there's also another issue. When you have high sugar, bacteria love sugar. So that combination, that trifecta, puts you at really high risk for foot infections. So we always ask our diabetics to check their feet daily to see their podiatrist regularly for these reasons. Getting back to the, the vision irregularities, how does diabetes affect your vision and anything else above the neck? There's a couple different things that happen when you're diabetic in terms of your eyes. When the high sugars are in the body, they don't really know where to go, so they go places they shouldn't. So they may go in your eye and create like a lens because their sugar accumulates and water follows because it's a large molecule. So that can make the blurry vision or improve your vision. And then the other things that happen is uh, the high sugars cause damage to the blood vessels, again, common theme, and the blood vessels in the eye get occluded so they don't even have any blood flow. Also, because you're not having blood flow, your eye is smart. It tries to create other pathways. So then you start having growth of blood vessels, other blood vessels, which can bleed. All of this can lead to blindness, and in diabetics have a high rate of blindness. Diabetes has, it carries with it that higher risk of stroke, but there can be memory impacts as well. Is this all connected? Yes, again, same theme. 
the blood vessels, the nerves, they're all getting damaged. And you have those micro-occlusions. And when your brain isn't getting the oxygen it needs, that can lead to that the history of stroke or possible dementia and memory changes. You were talking about all of the increased urination being a symptom. How does diabetes affect the kidneys and, again, the risk of kidney infection? When you have high sugars in the blood, your kidney's going to filter the blood and create urine. Along with it, you'll have excess sugar, more than you should. And as we know, bacteria love sugar, so you may start off with a urinary tract infection because you have high sugars, you're diabetic, and that can carry up to the kidneys and cause kidney infections. So pregnant women are often uh, given a bit of a shock during monitoring to find out that they have pregnancy diabetes. Yes. And the confusing information that it may not last beyond your pregnancy, but we still have to manage it. What, what happens when a woman becomes pregnant? And, and certainly not every pregnant woman gets this, but, but again, risk factors there and the probability and possibility. So what we call gestational diabetes is diabetes that develops during pregnancy. The risk factors that we know are genetics, having a little excess weight, and not getting maybe as much physical activity as you would like. Gosh, pregnancy, a little excess weight yep. and, and cutting down on the activity. Hmm. Uh, exactly. And the biggest thing is the placenta. It creates what we call insulin resistance. So as a patient progresses in their pregnancy, their diabetes actually will get worse if they have gestational diabetes. So once they deliver the baby and the placenta, that tends to improve. However, if you do have gestational diabetes, you are at risk later in life to develop overt diabetes. So screening and monitoring is very important. The placenta. Mm-hmm. It's all hormones. Okay, but, but insulin resistance because of the hormonal changes? Yes, because it's, like it's its own organ and it has all these dynamic changes and that's one of the big ones that can happen. The reason why we care is because this can cause mom to have a larger baby and that isn't always a good thing, so. Right. Yeah. We have known very early on that diabetes is a huge risk factor for more severe COVID infection. And now it seems that uh, the inverse may be true, that COVID can lead to diabetes in people who maybe didn't have it before. And I'm assuming it can certainly complicate diabetes. How, what's our understanding of this and, and what's going on there? So I think this is a very interesting topic because we know that viruses can affect our pancreas and lead to diabetes. And so there may be this link between the COVID-19 virus and our pancreas. And when it attacks our pancreas, this may lead to new onset diabetes. And I think what a lot of scientists are wondering is, is a patient that developed diabetes somebody that was gonna develop it in five years from now, but this kind of triggered it? Maybe they had a genetic predisposition. So it'll be really interesting to know what comes of the studies, but we do see that patients with diabetes that got COVID-19 do have worsening of their blood sugars, and there are some newer diagnoses. How much, it's still too early to tell. 
Do we have any sense of the kind of degree of COVID infection you would have had to have, or just because it seems to attack different systems in everybody, that it's, it's just a random thing? It could be a mild case, but if it hit the pancreas, damage occurred. Yeah, I think it's too early to tell, and I think that's something they'll have to look into. But I think we're noticing it more in the severe infections because part of our treatment is using steroids, and we know that steroids can cause sugars to rise. So there's a lot of factors involved with that. Can diabetes be cured? I like the word cure, but I I would like to use the term lifestyle controlled. I think that if you've already had the disease process starting of becoming a diabetic, you know that a certain amount of your pancreas may not be working and making that insulin. So I think it's powerful to tell a patient that you're diabetic, but you don't need meds because you're controlling it with doing the healthy eating, doing the physical activity. It's not that it's just cured, it's that your hard work is improving your health status. Then let's look at how you prevent it, even if you seem to have that bullseye on your DNA. Yeah, and that's my favorite question, because what can you do to help yourself? And that's what I like to talk about with all of my patients. So we discuss what their uh, physical activity is like and how they're doing healthy eating. Some guidelines that I like to give them are getting 150 minutes of physical activity in a week, not missing too many days in a row, splitting it up however you'd like. Cardio-based is very important, but I think we always forget about building muscle mass, and it doesn't have to be anything substantial. I always like to say to my patients, gaining a pound of muscle is equal to a dose of medication I can give you. That muscle is gonna eat up any excess sugar. So physical activity is a huge component in preventing diabetes progression or preventing you from prediabetes to diabetes or developing prediabetes. The other component is eating healthy. So that includes getting rid of as many processed foods as you can, eating more whole grains, fruits and vegetables, and protein at most of your meals, and having carbs, but limiting the carbs and focusing on the quality. So you know that having a piece of cake is not gonna be as good as having an apple. They both have sugar, they both have carbs, but you know that one is better. So just making better choices for yourself every day. And I give some general guidelines for females and males on how many carbs you should have. You can meet with a dietitian to get more information about that. So you can kind of um, streamline it to who you are and what you do, but that's a big part of it. I also tell my patients, eat your carbs last. Have your protein and veggies first, eat your carbs last. And if you want to enjoy, it's totally fine. The holidays are coming up. Thanksgiving is around the corner. I know I have my eye on a pecan pie. So I will have a piece, but I I will not have more than that. And maybe I'll go for a walk that day. So just keep that in mind. We'll have more on diabetes next month from Deborah endocrinologist Dr. Navinder Jassel, including screening and diagnosis, treatment and management, and more. The podcast drops on the first Wednesday of the month. I'm Rasa Kay. You can always listen to all of the informative Deborah doctor interviews at DeborahHealthReport.com. Schedule an appointment at demanddeborah.org.